In the last few years, we have heard it echoed from certain quarters in society that the Bahamas has a housing crisis. This belief is born out of the idea that the country has not been able to deliver truly affordable housing to tackle living standards and loosen the grip of poverty on a large segment of society. But do we really have a housing crisis here in the Bahamas? Well, according to the Campaign to Protect Rural England, a country faces a housing crisis when a significant part of the population does not have access to a safe, decent home that's suitable for their needs and that they can genuinely afford to live in. Based on this definition, it can be argued that the Bahamas is in the midst of a housing crisis and is desperately in need of transformative actions to fix the problem. And while the government is an important stakeholder in bringing about radical change in housing availability and affordability, it is imperative that all leaders, including businesses and civil society, work along with the government to galvanize housing and radically improve the quality of life for many in the Bahamas. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of CFILE Talks. I am Pamela Ferguson, Vice President of Investments here at CFILE, and joining me in studio today are my colleagues, Michelle White, Investments Manager, and Angelo Butler, Senior Analyst at CFILE. In today's episode, we will look at the housing sector in the Bahamas and explore whether the Bahamas is amid a housing crisis and what, if anything, can be done to address the challenges in the country's housing market. So, Lachelle and Angelo, let's start from the very basic uh, in terms of the housing stock in the Bahamas and if we have a housing deficit and what we can do to fill that deficit. Okay, so um, I think that we first need to look at the the current situation in the Bahamas. And usually we get um, updated housing data when the census is done. The last census was completed in 2010, the next census was supposed to be completed in 2020, but because of the pandemic, um, they are in the midst of completing that census now. Based on the last census numbers, the in 2010, the number of building units in the Bahamas stood at 96,863. The number of dwelling units were 126,493 units. And of these units, 102,862 were occupied and 23,631 were vacant. Now, I think that we have to um, put these numbers against what is needed um, in the Bahamas and what are these sufficient to address adequate adequately address our population levels. Unfortunately, I don't think that there has been any sort of... Um, paper or analysis done um, by the government or in the private sector to show how much um, housing that we actually need for Bahamians, how many people are living, the average people, number of people living in these dwellings, are these dwellings safe, are they sufficient? And I think that that's where, um, that's a problem that we need to address first in order for us to determine where we need to go forward in the housing sector. And I think it's important to provide context as well that housing 
it's just not homes in terms of ownership, but you also need um, a supply of you know rental units for persons because not everyone wants to say own um, as well as you know we've seen over history that not everyone will um, own a house um, in terms of you know how much housing I think we need on an annual basis I think the number of graduates can give us some good um, context you know they say about 5,000 students graduate high school every year and you know over time you think that as persons grow up they will eventually need some form of housing and so you know you assume that some of them um, may not need a house they may inherit um, some sort of home or you know, rental units that they can use. And then you'll also have pairings of persons who get married. Um, so I think if you wiggle that down, you we get to needing, I would say, maybe about a 1,000 um, units per year um, to not only meet the shortage that exists right now, but to just keep up with what what's um, coming out as persons come of age and look to move um, into homes. You know, we see a lot of high-end things taking place, but those tend to cater towards more foreigners and you know expats who are coming here to rent so i don't think we can include those in the net um addition but i think if we were getting you know anywhere from 800 to 900 homes as well as rental units on an annual basis that would be um something to get us out of the shortage that we have right now you know it's interesting that you said michelle about the census and when it was done and and it appears that that is when we get the information um on the housing stock and because we haven't had any uh analysis done since 2010, then uh, finding the information is difficult. And I think the information is important so that we know where we are and government can formulate policy. But I think the ID, IDB did uh, a survey back in 2000, and it said that in order to fill the housing deficit in the Bahamas, we needed to build about 28 plus thousand homes between 2000 and 2011, which worked out to be about 2,300 plus homes per annum. And then fast forward to 2016, another survey uh, was done, but this in this report, they looked at six Caribbean countries and the housing sector. And as when it came to the Bahamas, it said that we needed 3,600 homes annually in order to fill the housing deficit and to accommodate population growth. Now that's 2016. That's what, seven years ago. So I imagine that that number is even higher today. So in actuality, we need at least about 4,000 homes annually or dwellings annually in order to address the housing uh, deficit in the country and to keep up with, with population growth. Now, I think successive administrations have an idea that this there's a housing challenge. Uh, the prime minister said that from for the eight-month period from September of 2021 to May of 2022, uh, that there was a backlog in excess of 3,500 applications in the Mortgage Corporation of the Bahamas people wanting homes. And then you have the Minister of Transport and Housing, Minister Colby Davis. She also indicated that her goal is to build more homes than former Minister Shane Gibson, who built or who was responsible for overseeing um, the construction of 1,600 homes during um, his time in office over a five-year period. So I think they have an idea that do, we do have a challenge with housing. And I think information is very important. And so that we can know where we are, 
what we need to do and how we can achieve the objectives. And I think, um, like you said, you kind of need a housing policy because, you know, that say 4,000 number, um, you know, that may be 4,000 single family homes. And I think we really getting to a point where you're going to see us be forced to move away um, from that model where, you know, you may have a thousand complexes that can fit or have four units on each of them as opposed to building 4,000 um, single family homes. So, you know, as you get the data, all of that, I think, needs to be factored into government policy um, so that we can get something more sustainable. Because what we're doing right now, building the 300, 400 government homes per year, is simply not um, sufficient. Yes, I agree. I think that the current model of the single family home is not going to be sustainable and it may not even be affordable for some persons. Um, but I do find it interesting um, just reading data from the central bank um, just know, wanting to know more about the role of the Bahamas Mortgage Corporation. What is their role um, in helping unhoused persons um, get homes? And I think that they are supposed to be sort of the place where people go to get um, their mortgages to um, purchase um, these um, government homes. But when I looked at the data, they have less than 1% of the total mortgages outstanding. So it makes me wonder, you know, what exactly is their role and what um, what is the plan um, for use of the Bahamas Mortgage Corporation um, in the future? And it's probably like that because they have a large deficit and they probably doled out lots of funds earlier on. And if persons aren't repaying their mortgages, then where are you going to get the, the, the funding to issue new mortgages. And so at this at this stage, when they probably want to do more, they can't do more because they just don't have the funding to do more. So do we believe, given the deficit in housing, that we are in the midst of a housing crisis? And how else other than housing shortage can this crisis be manifested? Well, I think that it's it doesn't really feel as if we are in the midst of like a crisis right now because there doesn't seem to be any sort of urgency um, other than, you know, the announcement, the ceremonial announcements of, oh, we're going to start this um, this neighborhood or are we taking, you know, like doing photo ops? Okay, we just gave these people um, the new keys, to, to the keys to their new home. Um, but I think that as our population grows, as Angela mentioned earlier, as people graduate from school and they want to move out and um, start families of their own, I think that we're going to see over the next few years that it's going to become more urgent and people are going to look around and say, well, hey, there's nothing available, suitable available for me to, to buy. And so I think that we need to get well ahead of that and at least have a plan in place on how we're going to address that. And I think um, another part of what um, helped manifest that, of course, there are multiple reasons. Um, but I think, you know, it would be good to see a study on the impact that foreigners have had on, um, you know, the housing market. I think we all know that in particular areas, the foreign buying is what has really driven the property prices to levels that are unattainable for a lot of persons. And so, you know, whereas back in the day, you would buy a property and build a duplex on it and be able to afford that. Nowadays, some of those properties are almost, you know, what you would have paid uh, many years ago. I also think um, things like Airbnb have affected the housing supply and created a shortage. Um, some persons just pretend to, you know, live in a short-term market than deal with Bahamian. So a lot of those properties have been pulled out of the market. 
Um, and of course, that's driven up rents while wages have um, relatively remained or not kept up with the level of increases in housing. So it is a crisis, I think, and a lot of it has been uh, manifested over time. And, you know, it seems like we're not really addressing it. And it's not just a Bahamas problem, but I think all around the world you're seeing housing become unaffordable for many. I believe we are at a point of crisis. I agree with you, Lachelle, that there doesn't seem to be an urgency from the policymakers. But I remember, I think it was last year, when um, a woman and her family were living in a, one of those big school buses and she was more comfortable living in those accommodations. That's an indication. It's only one person, but that's an indication. The amount of informal um, housing that we have in this country. Um, someone is saying we have, what, 60 plus um, shanty towns. I think that's an indication that we have um, a challenge in in our country. So not because our policymakers aren't heralding this issue, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And, and like I mentioned, successive administrations have tried to deal with it subtly, but their strategy, I think, haven't worked. You take the Christie administration with the mortgage relief plan, only a handful of persons were able to qualify. They, the government said they would guarantee the loan if they were qualified by the bank, a handful. Then the Minnis administration with his access to affordable living accommodations when they were, they took the approach of selling land and only about 15% of the applicants qualified for it. And then it appears as if the Davis administration is going back to building government homes as a, as a means to address this. So they're not saying that there's a crisis. Well, I, I, I guess the, 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 the current prime minister, Mr. Davis, came close in saying that he is aware mm-hmm. of the housing shortage problem um, due to the, the number of applications that they have received um, just over an eight-month period for persons wanting homes via the mortgage corporation of the Bahamas. So I think they'll realize it, but what they have been doing to address it have not been working. Yeah, I don't think it appears that there, I mean, you see, I've seen the photos um, with the some, a couple families getting the keys to their new home, but that model is not um, sustainable. Um, in Abaco, I've seen, they built some very, very nice, um, nice looking homes, but it was just, you know, just a few, um, maybe a few dozen or so. It's not, is that enough to... Um, sustain a growing, I mean, our economy is not growing by leaps and bounds. Of course, we were bounding after the pandemic, but is that enough to sustain an economy where we have um, population growth? And like Angelo mentioned, the foreign component is a very important part of it because they are buying land like crazy. So, and it's like, okay, and the government is giving them crown land. So I think that we need data and I think that we need a plan. Otherwise, we are going to find something that is going to get out of control. Yeah. So then how do we address this undersupply of housing stock? What what does the government need to do or the stakeholders need to do to, to get additional supply in this market? I think that they need to um, probably try and work with the, the private sector. I don't think that government alone can address this problem. And I think that we've heard a lot um, recently about public-private partnership. But again, it all falls back to them having a plan. 
if you we have um many um nice developments you have um nice communities you even have foreigners who come in here and they build nice communities do we um even tap into the expertise do we say okay we're going to give you these concessions um, but you have to you know plan this community for us um i think that there's just they're just comfortable um going with the status quo which is building the single family homes which some persons may be unable to afford. And then like you have the Bahamas Mortgage Corporation, like you said, Pam, they may not have the fund sufficient funding um to um give these um give persons mortgages. So I think that they need to get the data, need to get proper analysis, and need to strategically plan how they are going to deal with this crisis. And but they need to do it sooner rather than later. Like you can't just, you know, mumble and say, oh yeah, well, you know, we have a backlog. Okay, so what are you going to do about it? Yeah, and I think it it's a mix of government and private sector. I think the government would have to incentivize, um, you know, some of the construction industry, the contractors, um, you know, even allow, you know, if you build X amount of units on a certain lot, maybe there's some, break on real property tax. I know the government is generally tax hungry. So, you know, they see these things as opportunities to um, get taxed, but you have to get the banks to buy in as well. You know, you see the banks in the newspaper speaking about how high the rate of delinquency is in mortgages. And a lot of them have shifted away from granting mortgages and now they're focusing on consumer debt and, you know, lending for the vacations, the credit cards and so forth. So, you know, if you don't have the banks there, the Bahamas Mortgage Corporation alone um, can't do it. I also think, um, you know, we have to, I think, get more financial education inside of the schools, get persons more aware, um, because I think a big problem you find is a lot of persons, you know, when it's time to go and get a home, they find themselves with a lot of leverage, right? They, You know, you come out of school at 18, 19, um, you know, you get a good job, you start making money, it's easy to go get a nice new car, um, pile on a lot of debt and then when it's time to get a home you know the the cash flow um is in there so if we can you know get the next generation to um you know be a bit more financially prudent and save and prepare and understand these things you could then as well um improve the you know delinquency ratio on mortgages and then banks would be more you know engaged or willing to get back into that um sector because right now they're very risk averse um they have too much bad loans on their books in terms of mortgages and they're not really partnering or lending with the government. I think that factor right there is hindering the growth of housing as well as mortgages in the country. Yeah, I really believe if supply is taken into consideration with affordability and you have the proper plan and strategy for housing in the country, we can go a long way. Because if we can get this right, housing can can also help with economic activity and economic growth, at least in the short to 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 medium term. So I, I think there has to be in conjunction though with affordability and that's where public-private partnership uh, becomes available. We have a lot of hotels and when these hotels come in, we they, they, they're given concession. A lot of land, they're given land as concession in some cases. So we have a lot of land and government can, can gift the land and then work with contractors to build affordable homes. And when I say affordable, I'm going to take the definition that the Bahamas government gave in 2016 in a report on the Caribbean islands. Um, And their definition of affordable was a decent, safe accommodation that does not exceed more than 30% of household income. 
right? So I think there needs to be more focus on affordable. I think we need to build more affordable homes by that standard. Um, the Minister for Housing and Transport um, said that these houses that they were going to build in Carmichael Road would be affordable, but the price tag was between $130,000 to $190,000. That is not affordable yeah, I by think, the definition that was given. Yeah, I think that would be out of reach of a lot of people. And not only that, even if you could afford the home, the cost of living and the cost of maintenance is so high. We have um, high inflation. I'm just um, looking at the data, um, the housing, water, electricity, gas, gas, and other fuel, fuel accounts for the largest share of household expenditures, like you said, Pam. And so that's at 32%. And then the cost of that increased like by 4.7% from December 2021 to December 2022. And then the category that includes household maintenance increased by 4.6%. So not only is it expensive to buy a home, but it's expensive to maintain a home. And I think that we have to look at not only just building affordable homes, but homes with affordable maintenance. I mean, we need to start looking, getting away from all the fossil fuels and BPL because the cost of electricity is very high. So maybe building some energy efficient homes just to, so that, you know, take that burden off persons because you already have, you're going to have a mortgage as a burden. So I just think that there needs to be relief across the board and not just, you know, okay, I'm putting this home up for $150,000 and then I get the home and then, you know, my insurance is expensive. Um, my, um, gas is expensive, electricity is expensive. So I think that they need to look at all of that. And to address that, if they look at more townhomes type or apartment type homes, which will save on labor, save on maintenance, save on costs to, 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 to um, upkeep. And so they just need to strategy to change. I think, and, and that's probably because we don't have a housing plan or strategy that we need to look at different ways um, in, in which to improve increase the housing stock um, in the country and to build more affordable, affordably. So um, I just think the focus just needs to be shift from the traditional way of doing things. You know, I read something um, in the 1980s, they had built about 200 units or 200 dwelling, 200 plus dwelling places. And they had like three bedroom, two bedroom and one bedroom. And the three bedroom was like $300 per month. The two bedroom was like $200 per month. Now, I understand the single um, bedroom that was, that was for senior citizen and it was $15 per month, right? Now, I have no problem with the senior citizens. I think you ought to help. I think we need more care homes and that's a whole different topic. So I think we, the government should be in partnership that's with that. private persons that have, exactly, to have care homes for senior living. But if the project or the strategy of providing more public or social housing is going to survive, then the government has to build them affordable so that people can afford them, right? And can live in them without giving it to them for free. Mm -hmm. That strategy is not sustainable. In 2006 and five, we had another strategy where the government was paying half of the rent to the private uh, um, owner and then the, the tenant pay the other half. See, stuff like that, they're not sustainable. They're not sustainable. And so we, we need to find a way to build affordable homes 
safe, decent homes so that persons can afford them and they can live in them comfortably and pay, pay their bills. So why is affordable homes necessary? Because I, I think a lot of times we focus a lot on the supply and not affordable. Let's drill down into that further and, 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 and let's discuss what we need in order to build affordable homes. Well, I think, you know, housing is a human right, right? I, I think just as much as anyone needs food, they need somewhere to have shelter. And so I think from that standpoint, um, it's important. And we have to understand not everyone um, has, I don't want to say equal opportunity, but not everyone is the same. We all come from different backgrounds, have different experiences. Some persons run into challenges. You know, it may be a health issue where you're unable to work. And so in those cases, you you know, I think you have to have some sort of affordable housing. Um, now, I think the government plays a role in it because, you know, I think the government is that bridge in many cases between what should be and what is, Right. It may cost $800 per month to sustain, um, you know, one bed unit for someone who is privately constructing it or, or renting it out. But if, you know, the government says an affordable unit should be $300, then I think only the government can meet that um, difference or, or be in a position to take on that loss in a sense, right, by providing some sort of subsidy or social. So I think the government, um, you know, must have its role because if it's just left to the private sector and capitalism, I think we know that at the end of the day, the private sector wants the highest profit um, that they can make. And so I think government will always play an important role in affordable housing um, and they must continue to do so. Yeah, I agree. I think that um, it starts with government. Um, I think that we are going to need tax breaks um, for persons. I know that they have the real property tax um, is waived for first home, first time homeowners um, for the first five years. But I think for persons that are building, um, you're going to have to maybe knock off the customs duty and just charge the VAT or just charge a stamp tax. I think that there is, and again, I think that we just need to be organized and we need to plan it properly because, of course, there are going to be some people who are going to try and, you know, um, circumvent the system. But, yeah, it absolutely has to be driven by government. I don't see um, any sort of situation where a private contractor is going to come out and say, oh, I'm going to build affordable homes at a loss to myself because, you know, he's in the... He's in business to make a profit, which is fair, which is only fair. That's why you go into business. So I think that it'll definitely have to be um, driven by government. Yeah, I think it, it it has to be government along with private stakeholders. And I don't think it can result in a significant loss to government to do it because you have the land and you can give the land as concessions and then you can you can waive some of the duty on the materials to build the home. I just believe that once these homes are completed and persons are in these homes, they should be allowed to pay their rent or pay their mortgage. I don't think we could survive with another institution like the Mortgage Corporation of the Bahamas where you have persons who have taken out loans or taken out mortgages and they are unable to pay. So I believe with the right strategy and 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 proper planning that that there can be sufficient housing stock built in the country to cater to persons of low income. Yes, I think so, but like we keep saying it needs to start with a strategic plan. So then who should drive the construction process? Should government or the private sector? or both as it relates to 
improving or increasing the housing stock? I think both needs to. I agree it should be both. But I remember, um, I think during the last administration when um, they were granting some concessions to Baker's Bay, and I think they had agreed to build some houses for um, individuals. You know, maybe that's something we need to explore. You have these high-end properties that are driving up the cost of land and coming in these high-end $1 million condos and so forth. You know, maybe you tie in there that they are required to build some sort of affordable housing units. Um, you know, of course, it'll be at a, a cost that's manageable given the size of the project and the cost. Um, but, you know, I feel like they're a big part of why um, the situation is the way it is. And maybe we get them involved as well. They have, you know, you give them hundreds of work permits for persons to come in. Uh, I think at the same time, um, tie in there that, you know, maybe they assist by building X amount of affordable units. I believe both government and private sector need to work together, but we need a plan. We need a strategy. We need to address the data because um, a plan is only as good as the data that's available. And if we follow through on that promise of of affordable being 30% of household income, I think we need to build housing stocks that represent that. And we need to see some rental unit, decent affordable rental unit in the range of 400, 450 max um, for those persons of low income. Well, Michelle and Angelo, we have come to the end of another episode of C-File Talks. Thank you so much for contributing to this discussion and thank you, audience, for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, please send us a note at info at cfile.com or visit our website at www.cfile.com and show your support. Thank you, C-File, for sponsoring this episode. Until next time. <laughs>